This is Law of Attraction Explored. I'm Tim Grimes. Just want to apologize for the kind of shoddy audio recording of this episode. I was traveling on the Cape and unable to use my normal microphone. Rest assured, though, the content is as magical as always. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at info at radicalcounselor.com and enjoy the episode. So we've been discussing suggestion and suggestibility and what we often suggest to ourselves. And as you know, I like to look at this from a very practical psychological standpoint. And at the same time, it's important to recognize, in my opinion, that if we want to be quote-unquote spiritual about this, it can be a very effective way to implement these law of attraction principles in our life. There's a reason that most of the great law of attraction teachers, the teachers that we're discussing in the show, there's a reason that most of them use very spiritual-sounding language. For a lot of us, we will be most affected by our suggestions when they are spiritual-sounding suggestions. You know, Israel Regardi, in his great essay, where he was discussing Neville's methods, said that one reason that Neville can be so effective is because he's using all this evocative, religious, spiritual language, which really stirs up something inside of us. And in my opinion, one reason that new thought is so effective in stirring up stuff in us and making our lives transform for the better is because it uses this religious language. So while Kuei has shown us that there's no need to use religious language or spiritual language in order to improve our lives, many of us will benefit from using such spiritual language if we like it, if we consider ourselves to be a quote-unquote spiritual person. It's often beneficial to use religious-sounding language. And somebody who probably explained this and showed us how to do this better than anybody in the law of attraction world is, of course, H. Emily Cady. H. Emily Cady is a very spiritual law of attraction teacher. And she uses mystical and deep Christian language to prove her points and to get her points across. I thought it would be worthwhile to read a few passages from her essay, Finding the Christ in Ourselves, because she makes some wonderful points that when we're trying to manifest or transform ourselves in some way, why not go to that deepest point where we simply claim the Christ within ourselves as our transformer, as our redeemer? Why go halfway and try to manifest health or wealth or better relationships by using seemingly limited human means and seemingly limited imaginative faculties when we could go all the way and assume the Spirit of Christ, feel the Spirit of Christ within us, and manifest in that way, in that godly manner. This, of course, is directly parallel to what Neville is always saying, 
what somebody like Joseph Murphy is often talking about, and what so many other great new thought teachers were talking about. Why not assume the Christ within us and manifest from that? So in Finding the Christ in Ourselves, Katie writes, God made us one with the Father, even as Jesus was. And just in proportion as we recognize this fact and claim our birthright, the Father in us will be manifested to the world. Most of us innately avoid saying, your will be done, because of false teaching and from associations. We have believed that this prayer, if answered, would take away from us all that gives us joy or happiness. Surely nothing could be further from the truth. Oh, how we have tried to crowd the broad love of God into the narrow limits of human mind. The grandest, most generous, loving Father that ever lived is but the least bit of God's fatherhood manifested through the flesh. God's will for us means more love, more purity, more power, more joy in our lives every day. No study of spiritual or material things, no effort, though it be superhuman on our part, could ever be as effectual in making grand, godlike creatures, showing forth the same limitless soul that Jesus showed, as just praying continually the one prayer, Thy will be done in me. For the Father's will is to manifest his perfect being through us. This is a very powerful passage. Thy will be done. This is surrendering and finding Christ in ourselves. That's what Katie is talking about. A few paragraphs later, she writes, Above all things, learn to keep to the Christ within yourself, not that within someone else. Let the Father manifest through you in his own way, though his manifestation differs from that in his other children. Heretofore, even the most spiritually enlightened of us have been mere ants, because we have, by the action of our conscious thought, limited the divine manifestation to make it conform to the manifestation through someone else. God will make us spiritual giants if we will but take away all limits and give him opportunity. This is uh, what I'm talking about when I talk about just thinking on God purely or the golden key of Emmett Fox. Don't limit what you want to manifest to a certain thing or to a certain way of going about things. Think on God purely, or as Joseph Murphy says, the absolute method. Think on God purely, and then there's no limit. It's limitless. And then you are not comparing yourself to anybody else. You're not comparing what you're going to manifest to anybody else. You're letting God do the work through you. That is Christ within you. Katie went on to write a little bit later, This voice will not lead you exactly as it leads any other, but in the infinite variety there will be perfect harmony, for there is but one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. This is going directly to God and skipping all the intermediary steps. And Katie says that we do this now. It's always in the present moment, which is obviously what we talk about again and again, how abundance, health, wealth come from recognizing the abundance of now. Or as Katie would say, if we're using spiritual language, Christ in this very moment, God in this very moment. 
And Katie goes on to instruct in this essay, This manifestation through us will be the fulfillment of God's ideal instead of our limited mortal ideal when we learn to let spirit lead and to hold our conscious minds to the now. You want to manifest the perfect Christ. Affirm with all your heart and soul and strength that you do so manifest now, that you manifest health and strength and love and truth and power. Let go the notion of being or doing anything in the future. God knows no time but the eternal now. You can never know any other time, for there is no other. You cannot live an hour or ten minutes in the future. You cannot live it until you reach it, and then it becomes the now. Saying or believing salvation and deliverance are to be, will forever and through all the eternal ages keep them just a little ahead of you, always to be reached but never quite realized. Now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation, said Paul. He said nothing about our being saved from our distresses after death, but always taught present salvation. God's work is finished in us now. All the fullness abides in the indwelling Christ now. Whatever we persistently declare is done now, is manifested now. We shall see fulfilled. So that's a very um, spiritual sounding approach that Katie is describing. I love using practical psychological approaches to these law of attraction concepts, like Emile Coué explains so well, like Maxwell Maltz explains so well in Psycho-Cybernetics. But being a spiritual person, relating to spiritual language, especially beautiful, mystical, Christian spiritual language like H. Emily Cady shares here, it's very easy to relate to this approach to this approach of not asking for a specific thing, but simply asking that the will of Christ be manifest now. And to experience Christ now. And if we sit and become present and still, we recognize that he is always here. <laughs> 